Hi, everybody, and welcome to Season 7, Episode 3 of the Gentle Parents Unite podcast with Sujai Johnson and me, Vivek Patel. In this episode, Sujai is going to talk about impact versus intent, and I'm going to talk about speaking to your inner child. Both of these talks were recorded during our coaching calls. Both of us do a weekly coaching call with our membership group, which you can find us at gentleparentsunite.com. And before the call, we give a little talk about a specific part of gentle parenting. If you'd like to join us, you can take part in these calls, as well as the meditations and the live classes that we do on a weekly basis. There are a lot of great events each week, and people get a lot of support. So we're going to start with Sujai talking about paying attention to our impact of our actions. And then after that, as I said, I'll be talking about how to talk to our inner child in such a way that it helps us be more present with our kids. So I want to talk this morning a little bit about um, intention versus impact, because I think it's a really important aspect of kind of getting out of our own way and having some self-accountability and You know, I think when we have good intentions, we can really get into a defensive corner and we're not seeing the other person's point of view and it can be really harmful to our relationships. You know, um, my parents were not religious folk, but I remember my dad always said when I was growing up, he would say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I remember pondering that really deeply as a child because it didn't make very much sense to me how people could have good intentions and um, be having a horrible impact or such a bad impact, right? And, um, when I look around at the world and the way that, things are in today's society, I really see that a lot of possible good intentions have terrible impacts in so many ways. And when we have good intention and the impact is bad, a lot of times the way that, you know, or the impact isn't received the way that we had expected it, um, The way that we respond to that is with anger, self-defense, self-righteousness. And um, it's hard to get out of our own way in that moment to really see that our impact may not have matched our intentions. And yet it's really important to know the way that we're, you know, to pay attention and to acknowledge the way that we're impacting regardless of our intentions. And I think there's definitely a place in a conversation where we can say, well, you know, these were my intentions and my intentions were good. Um, And I also think that there's a lot of kind of sitting with the thing and understanding how we could be coming from a place where we did have wonderful intentions and yet it hit with, you know, a a lot less positivity. (laughs) I don't want to say it's all bad, right? Like if we have good intentions or we have positive intentions and I really don't enjoy assigning good and bad, but again, it's kind of hard to, um, discuss without using those language descriptors that we're so familiar with, like good and bad and positive and negative, you know. Um, So when we find ourselves in a place where our impact did not match our intentions and it's received in a way 
that we had not expected or it's caused some kind of harm that we had not expected. Um, you know, a knee-jerk reaction might be to get defensive and to get self-righteous and all those things. And that's okay if that's our knee-jerk reaction. The more we work with self-accountability, eventually our knee-jerk reaction is less defensive. Because when we really feel good with self-accountability, um, there's actually a podcast where Vivek and I discussed accountability and the way that it feels like you know when somebody else tells you you need to be accountable <laughs> it doesn't feel very good and we don't really um, for the most part really want to hold ourselves accountable in those moments but when we really care about our impact and we really care about this conscious living and really wanting to put relationships first and we begin to take accountability for, you know, being out of alignment for, with ourselves for the things that we've done that may have been perceived as mistakes or the things that we perceive as mistakes. And um, it's really empowering. It feels really good to hold ourselves accountable and to talk about ways we can do better and finding paths to do better. Um, it's not anything like somebody else telling you need to be telling you you need to be accountable. It's you trying to find that place where you're aligning with your own values and you're really in alignment with yourself. And um, that's what I'm talking about here as far as the um, accountability, because I know that, you know, nowadays it's kind of tossed around there in a way that actually the word kind of sounds <laughs> sounds intimidating you need to be accountable but self-accountability is really an empowering and positive thing so um if our intentions don't match our impact um instead of falling into a defensive place we can fall into a place of self-accountability where we really want to hear the other person we care about their experience we want to learn about why it impacted them the way that it did um, we want to understand the ins and outs of it and we want to understand ways that we can do better and um some of that is internal work you know some of it is communication with our loved ones, with the person that we've impacted in a way that we hadn't expected. And some of that, because we don't want to put too much burden of the working it out, might be on us to do a little bit of more work to understand why our intentions and our impact, um, you know, didn't have the exact same um, inclusion, right? And so some of that work is something that we might have to dig into ourselves and figure it out. And some of it we might be able to work through with communication with the person that we've impacted in a way we hadn't expected. And, um, you know, when we care about somebody and we care about working through all of the different steps and tools with people. One of the most important things is really listening to hear them, really listening to understand where they're coming from, to understand their perspectives, to um, kind of spend a minute in their shoes to really feel what it is they need. And I feel like listening is a bit of a lost skill in this day and age. It feels like, you know, so many people are listening just to come up with a rebuttal. They just want to say something back. They're waiting for their turn to talk. And um, when we listen intently to others, then 
you know, um, there's some skills around that that we can certainly learn, like um, asking follow-up questions or, you know, repeating back to them what they just said in slightly different language that makes sense to you that, you know, and say, am I understanding this correctly? So that, the, you know, that they really feel heard and you know acknowledgers when they're speaking if they're talking and it's not your turn to talk and you're really listening intently you know not dismissive um hums but like oh and mm and aha you know like i'm really listening and at places where you know you hear something that you want to respond to or that you can relate to then you can make those you know indicators that you're listening and then when they reach a point where they feel like they've gotten enough out then maybe you can give them a little recap back at them and say am i understanding this correctly and um you know asking them questions about what they're talking about trying to learn a little bit deeper if it's something that you don't know about if they're talking about something that you know it's out of your wheelhouse then you know asking questions so oh did you mean that this means that and that these two things are connected or because of this and you know really getting deep into what it is that they're talking about so that you know that you understand all the aspects and you know asking um questions about how they feel about a situation and how they feel about a thing and um you know really listening intently and not trying to jump to adding your own opinions not trying to jump to solutions not trying to jump to anything beyond really deeply intently understanding and hearing each other on a really deep level and that's really where our relationships have a place to blossom and bloom when we're understanding each other and hearing each other on a deep level. And so um, I think it's a really important aspect of working through um, any harm, intentional or unintentional, that we've caused to a loved one, you know, when we conscientiously decide that we do want to engage in these um tools and move forward with somebody you know um of course i always mention that it's totally valid and acceptable if you're wanting to step back from somebody rather than to engage in deeper healing processes that feel like they may not be energy well placed and so um you know it's all very nuanced and a thing that we have to work through detail by detail um However, I just wanted to talk a little bit today about that, how we can, you know, hold ourselves accountable and work through with people as far as, you know, really hearing how we impact those around us as opposed to, um, you know, being stuck over here in our intentions because a lot of times the two of them really don't match. And the biggest thing is getting out of our own way trying to drop that defensiveness and then following that up with some really intent listening so that you can understand where your loved one is coming from and um, also following that up with, you know, making a solid plan for how you can move forward in the future to avoid making a similar mistake. Hi everybody, Vivek here from Meaningful Ideas and Gentle Parents Unite. And I am on my weekly coaching call. And before the coaching call, I always give a little talk. A few years ago, I was at a dance festival in Massachusetts and we were doing this whole dance 
imagination therapy thing. And at one point I was dancing and all of a sudden I had this image of uh, little Vivek come to me. Oh, you know what it was? We were supposed to imagine a spirit animal and talk to the spirit animal and dance with our spirit animal. And my spirit animal ended up being little me. I remember, I remember that all of a sudden. And, and I was so surprised. I was looking for like, I don't know, a mongoose or something. But all of a sudden there was, there was little me st standing in front of me. And we started to dance together. And then I held him and we were spinning around. And then we were supposed to, after this, we had some time to dance. And the facilitator led us through a diff some different stages of it, whatever. I don't remember exactly. It was a couple of years ago. But then at the end of it, uh, we were to spend some time writing to our spirit animal and what our experience was like. And I just found these notes from, from that uh, time, and it was really moved me what I wrote, and I wanted to share it with you and talk about that a little bit. So this is what I wrote. I wrote, little Vivek is always with me. And then I speak, speaking to him directly, you are free to play, little one, free to explore, free to be who you are. And then in caps, I wrote, be who you are. I, be I believe in who you are. Stay with me, little one. I will listen to you. I love to listen to you. Your emotions are normal, acceptable, and valid, little Vivek. Your thoughts and your intellect are normal, acceptable, and valid. Your interests are normal, acceptable, and valid. And your sexuality is normal, acceptable, and valid. All these things will grow and mature, just like everything else in your life. But right now, you are perfect as you are. When you fall, I will pick you up. When you cry, I will comfort you. And when you're afraid or sad, I'll give you empathy and compassion. I'm here for you. Let's hold hands forever. And that's what I wrote to little Vivek. And I was so touched reading that because first of all, uh, thank you to the facilitator. The facilitator's name was Bernadette Pleasant and I really appreciated their facilitation. And the way they facilitated it, you know, facilitation is so important. We can really create a space for someone to go deep into, our, uh, into themselves. And this is what uh, Bernadette did and what I am trying to do for myself when I talk to my little child, my inner child that way. And I also like to talk to my adult self that way as well, because the adult Vivek needs as much love and compassion as, as little Vivek does. But somehow, somehow it's, there's this way that we can ignore the impact that little, our little selves have on us, on our lives, on our daily lives. You know, so whenever I'm interacting with another person, the adult me is there, but the child me is also there. And everything that they say affects all, all of this, all of my parts, right? And so this is something that's so important for me to recognize. A lot of the time when people get really upset or they get really defensive or they get really uh, frustrated or they have some kind of like challenging reaction, a lot of the time it's the unconscious presentation of the childhood emotions coming out. And they're, and they think that they're arguing with the person or fighting with the person or defending from the, against the person, but really they're, they're reacting to their parents. And, uh, and I, you know, I say they, but I mean we, because it's, it's exactly how, uh, you know, we're wired. And so, and it's not everything. I know it's not everything, but it's certainly a large part of, of our experience. 
And the more aware we are of that, the more we can see that and feel that inside, the more we accept that that's a large part of our experience, the more power it gives us, the more choice it gives us, the more influence over our own thinking it gives us. I was going to say control, but I prefer influence. And so this is really important. So part of this, of course, is to, for us to slow down and really take the time to acknowledge our, the pain of our childhood. And when I say childhood, it could be two, it could be 12, it could be 20. You know, for me, 20 is still kind of childhood because I'm 52. And, uh, and, and like I said, the adult self too, it's also yesterday. But right now I'm really talking about like little Vivek, you know, 13-year-old Vivek who felt constantly misunderstood, um, five-year-old Vivek who was criticized for the way he played, and, you know, three-year-old Vivek that got spanked and all of this kind of stuff. All of that is, is in there. And so when I feel something, when I feel a reaction, especially when it's about my kid or my partner, um, you know, or the people really close to me, like my mom and my sister, and the people that I interact with uh, on a more intimate, more intense basis around intense things, you know, like health and money and living together and organizing and just the stuff that and time and scheduling the stuff that really makes uh, can make us uh, feel a lot of challenges in our relationships. When I notice myself get activated, one of my practices is to tune into little Vivek inside. And I immediately, I, I'm, I, acknowledge, I acknowledge him. I'm like, yeah, this is hard for you. It makes sense that it would be hard for you, little guy. Of course, you're hearing this kind of language. You're feeling this kind of emotional vibration coming to you, emotional dynamic coming to you. And it's really painful and it really hurts. And it makes you feel unseen. It makes you feel unsafe. It makes you feel alone in your pain. And you're not, and then I remind, and then I let, and then I let him know you're not alone in your pain anymore, kiddo. I'm with you. I'm here. I'm holding you. I'm comforting you. And that's why I really liked this little, uh, little speech I wrote for myself. I don't want to call it a speech. These affirmations that I wrote for myself, because they are so powerful. You know, they are a way that we can, uh, we can talk to ourselves, give ourselves these messages. Because what happens is when I can. When I can really feel a little Vivek in there, and it takes some, it takes it takes some concentration to do that, and especially if we think it's silly, you know, or, or we think we don't deserve our uh, to 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 slow down and give ourselves that kind of care, you know, or many other things that might hold us back from it. When I slow down and use the concentration and the courage that I have to give that love to little Vivek, when we can do that for our young selves. And then the, it's like the inner self has this calmness that comes about us, a stillness, more of a regulation. You know, it's the co-regulation. We're, we're, we call it, I call it, we talk about self-regulation, but even when I'm holding my inner child, there's a, it's kind of like co-regulation, right? It's co-regulation with this child. <laughs> and, and so my as I learn to access more calm inside of me, I offer that calm to my inner child. And then my inner child calms down and trusts and starts to trust me and starts to feel me as a strong, stable presence. I mean, this is what I want to offer my kid anyways, right? My, my kid in the physical, 
Um, so I want to offer it to my, my other kid. You know, I always felt like ever since my kiddo was young, I always felt that every time I gave her the unconditional acceptance, the unconditional compassion and empathy, the unconditional love that I'm always working towards, you know, and I call it, I haven't talked about this in a while, but I call it minimally conditional love and minimally conditional acceptance because we can never be completely unconditional. So if I say minimally conditional, it takes a lot of the pressure off. I realize that this is what I'm striving for, what I'm stumbling, like I call stumbling with purpose, right? I'm stumbling towards that as always my purpose, always my goal. But the fact is, you know, I've been doing it for 25 years. And the, the, after 25 years, the vast majority, if you take the sum total, the vast majority is pretty much in alignment with that. And you'll find that too, as the years go on, you practice every single day, you're going to get better at it. Now, here's one of the other elements that really helps us is when we, oh, I was saying that as we were growing up, I felt like I was offering that same love to myself. And little Vivek was being healed at the same time as I was offering this and, and, and uh, working with my kid for them to, to receive that. And so I was like, the receiving goes inward, the, the giving goes inwards and outwards, and the receiving goes inwards and outwards at the same time. It's multi and we are multi-layered beings, multi-dimensional beings, you know, we are. I, I gave a talk about uh, processing our own emotions last Thursday, and I talked about how multi-dimensional we are and multi-dimensional our emotions are, you know, our emotions live in our brains, as feeling, but also there's ideas attached to those um, feelings. And then it also lives in our body physically, you know, in our consciousness, there's like, there's so many layers to it. And, and it's the same thing with our inner, inner children. There are so many things that our inner child sees and feels and believes about themselves. And we can help them believe differently. You know, like little Havake often feels like he's alone in his pain. And no one is going to be there for him. And everyone is going to reject him. Part of that is the bullying I went through in junior high school. You know, it was a really clear message that I wasn't worthy of friendship. And I don't know if I would still be here if my, uh, if my mom hadn't convinced my dad to sell the house and we moved out of town, you know. And a lot of kids don't, don't ever get that or have that opportunity. And so I was very fortunate that way. And also there's like one or two moments of kindness from kids in those years. Sometimes I reflect on that. I want to talk, I want to process that and, and talk about it more. There are one or two moments of kindness that I received uh, in, those in those years that really stuck with me and helped me feel like, okay, maybe I'm not completely worthless. And so now that I'm an adult sort of, and, uh, and have more of an understanding of what's going on inside of this, uh, you know, bag of meat and, and, and bones and, and liquid and, and whatever is this particular arrangement of, of atoms, as I say. Um, now that I have more of an idea, I can actually help little Vivek create a different vision of himself, create a different self-image, create a different relationship with himself so that when he looks at himself, he doesn't have that fear as much. And he still does, still does, but way less than it used to be. And the, le and the more that I do that, the more that I turn that love inward, the more that I turn that attention inward, the more that I say, I, I will listen to you and I love to listen to you. I will listen to you and I'd love to listen to you are a little different, you know? <laughs> and when I tell little Blake that his emotions are, are valid and, and acceptable and that I really appreciate them, I am grateful for them, you know? I add a lot of gratitude into it. And when I say, when you fall, I will pick you up. And when you're sad, I'll comfort you. 
when I and when and then when he actually is sad and I actually do comfort him, right? So sometimes I'll like hold little Vivek like this and I'll be like, Vivek, ah, oh, I know how hard it is, you know. And then sometimes I'll and then I'll imagine I'm being held and I'm just and I'm and I feel the adult and I get small and I'm full and I'm feeling held. And then this, 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 the love, the love and the compassion and the acceptance goes through my system. It goes through my system and it affects me and it, and it, and it rewires old, old, old patterns, old, old, old messages of my worth and of my value and my validity and my acceptability. And, and then what happens, you know, as we start to build more and more layers of those more empowering, nurturing, validating mindsets and ideas and feeling emotion sets, the more we build those layers, the, the more we're able to flow those out to our kids. The more that we're able to take in the chaos that they offer us, because boy, oh boy, kids can offer us a lot of chaos, right? The more we're able to take that stuff in and, and hold it in a different way. You know, and then little Vivek is like, yeah, I see how this person is suffering too in their in their three in his three year old way, right? Or thirteen year old. I feel I feel it because three year olds are are bright. They get it. They're brilliant. You know, and if we help them uh, to 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 tap into their natural empathy, then they can offer a lot of beautiful connection. Um, and so little Vivek is is starting to be a partner in all of this. You know, and it's so much easier to to manage the big feelings that I, uh, that we receive from our kids when it lands in a space where our inner child is, uh, you know, feels safe and contained. And this is a beautiful thing. So there's like an extremely practical reason to do this work because it has a, has a direct effect on our responses, a direct effect on our capacity to hold compassion in moments when we really want to lash out, when we really want to protect ourselves, when we, we, when we really want to withdraw, all of those, you know, protecting ourselves, lashing out, withdrawing, all of those things that are completely, completely natural and completely valid and extremely human. Same thing I said to Little Vivek, I'm saying to you, like, I don't want, to, I don't want us to feel shame about doing those things, but I also don't want to ignore them at the same time, right? And we're trying to repress them and hold them back all the time. I mean, I think that's worthy effort, um, but at the same time, that's not sustainable over the long over the long haul. That's why, as we are doing this work to like not react those way in those ways, and sometimes some you know I call it like intelligent repression. A certain amount of repression of those feelings in the moment when it's going to make us react makes sense. But again, that's not sustainable over the long term. So then I want to also be doing this work inside. Now, of course, there's many, many ways to do work with our with our feelings and our emotions. That's why I did the whole hour on it. I think I, I did like an hour and 20 minutes last Thursday. So if you, if you want to, uh, to to see that, well, if you if you're not in the membership group, you'll have to join the membership group membership group to watch that. So please come to www.gentleparentsunite.com and you can sign up for our membership group. Sujai Johnston, the um, the 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 founder of Gentle Parents Unite, which is probably the large, I think it's the largest gentle parenting Facebook group on, uh, on Facebook. Um, she's the founder and her and I host this space together. And we'd love to have you over there. And there's a, I do this kind of talk 
for, uh, for the parents in the group every Thursday. Um, and I give a short talk like this every Monday. And, uh, and all of those are available in the, in the group. So we'd love to have you come join us there. And if you are in the group, please go watch that video because there's a lot of great information in there about how to work with our own, our own stuff. And so this is one important component is to, and maybe go back to the beginning of the video and write down the, the, the things that I said to little Vivek. And then add your own, you know, you don't have to use the vague language. That's very much a vague language, but use it as a template and then write your own and create a little, create a little script for yourself that you can practice and you can pull it out and read it. Maybe have a card with it in your wallet and put one on your wall and uh, even record your own voice saying it. And then you can listen to it. And I think I'm going to do that one. I'm going to record this. Well, I already said it. I'll just take the recording from, from this, this video and I'll put it on my phone. And I'll just listen to it. Sometimes what I do is I, I record my own voice saying something compassionate to myself and I set it as an alarm and it goes off like every hour, every two hours. And I just hear it. And I'm like, ah, okay. I remember. And it gives me a chance to like settle down, center, to notice myself. You know, like kids want to be noticed. My inner child wants to be noticed too. So I like to take the time to turn inwards. Not only, this is the thing, right? Not only when I have a bad, a bad feeling, difficult, challenging feeling, painful feeling, not only then do I turn into my inner child, but I want to I do it when we're laughing together, or when, when I'm happy, or when something is going well, or when I'm just like browsing Facebook too much, or something like that. Like, I, I try and involve him in my life. You know, I want to I be, be with him. That's why I said at the end, let's hold hands forever. I want us to be together, you know, and so you can do that too with your, with your inner child. And the more and more you allow yourself to see it as a real thing, a real relationship and give it real value and validity, you know, like, cause again, like I said at the beginning, we can, we can think, oh, this is just stupid or this is fluffy or this is like a waste of time. But I can't tell you how practical this really is. You know, the soft skills, we call, they call them soft skills are so practical and so valuable. And we get, uh, we get we get the message from so many areas of society and media, and especially so much on social media. We get the message that that stuff, working with our inner stuff, is weakness or you know some kind of problem. We have some kind of problem with us. And how many people are like out there like talking about like you know just being strong and not living in fear? And I live in fear. I'm not afraid of that. <laughs> I'm not afraid of my fear. <laughs> Fear is very much a part of me. So is my sadness and my grief, and my pain and uh, my insecurities. All of that is part of me. I'm human. Yeah, I'm human. Celebrate that. Celebrate that Vivek and little Vivek. I celebrate your, I celebrate your humanness, little Vivek. All of your complexity, all of you. So, so I, I really want to uh, encourage you to try that, to take some of that on, to make it a bit of a practice. And, uh, and see how it affects you and see how it, uh, and watch it evolve over time as you practice. You know, anything that you practice, you get better at. That's just the nature of practice. It doesn't mean you become instantly an expert, but anything that you practice and practice day to day, you get better at. That's the way it works. And so take the time to do that. Take the time to spend a little bit of work, a little bit of effort to practice this, to talk to your young self. And there's no right or wrong way to do it. I mean, maybe there's a wrong way. Don't be mean, but, but, but you know, like just, just like jump in and do it. And even if it feels awkward, just keep doing it because we can't get, we can't get to smooth if we don't, aren't willing to go through awkward. It's as simple as that. And I, you know, I, as, as a person who's an artist in multiple different art forms, 
you know, I'm a dancer, I'm a martial artist, and I draw, and I'm a musician, and I teach all these things. I teach a lot of these things as well. And, um, and I can tell you that the awkward stage is one of the things that pushes people away from what could otherwise be a wonderful experience of artistic pursuit. And because then it looks bad, you know, I, uh, and I think it was Julia Cameron in the artist's way that said, you have to be a bad artist before you can be a good artist, you know, and I just, even when I was in my early days of parenting, I always used to say, I'm a bad parent. I just accept that, <laughs> you know, that way, if someone gives me a suggestion, I'm not going to get defensive. Don't tell me what to do. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's how you think about it. Let me think if that aligns with what I want and how I want to be. Yeah, I'll take that in. Thank you. And I, I didn't take it uh, as personally. I mean, I had to work at that. But still, the idea was I, want, I, wanted to, I wanted to practice, I wanted to improve, I wanted to grow my capacity. Same thing here. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear what you think about it. Please share it around and give us a rating on wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also join our membership group at gentleparentsunite.com, as well as if you want to read more of my articles and videos, you can check out my social media on Facebook. It's Meaningful Ideas. Also, I've been tweeting again, Meaningful Ideas. And Instagram and YouTube, also Meaningful Ideas. Everywhere it's Meaningful Ideas. And my YouTube channel has 80 videos on it. And also, please listen to the previous episodes of this podcast. There's probably like 50 by now. We love supporting you and sharing information that can really help you on your parenting journey. And we will see you next week. Bye.